How are we doing this morning? Happy Valentine's Day, by the way. Would you get me? All right. You came. I'm just grateful for that. I, I tell you what, I'm, I believe God loves you because, well, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons I believe God loves you is it was supposed to snow all day Saturday, and we were wondering, are we even going to be able to have church on Sunday? And uh, so I'm just glad that we are here and that we're able to meet. And uh, if I haven't had the chance to meet you, I'm Russ. I'm on the team here. I always say this. If you hate today, come back um, because I am not the lead pastor. And I do want to give one more welcome to everybody from our online family. Thank you for tuning in. And... Uh, and everybody in the room that is a first-time guest or this online first-time guest, I'm just so glad that you are with us. And naturally, on Valentine's Day, we're going to talk about money. So if, if you're wondering why, we are in week three of our series called Stimulus. And uh, we're just learning how to, to do things God's way. And, and, and in case you ever wonder, maybe you're brand new to church, because this always happens. I, I know how this thing works. Somebody finally gets their friend, their family member to come to church, and then it's about money. They're like, I knew it, I knew it. Church is always talking about money. That's right. We're going to have an offering at the end for you to give all of your money. I'm just kidding. Now, the reason that we talk about money is, is for several reasons. Number one, because Jesus, believe it or not, talked about money, and Scripture talked about money more than almost any other topic, because A, he knew it was connected to our hearts, and B, he knew, let's just be honest, by and large, it's what keeps people up at night. Uh, we did a survey at Christmas time, and by and large, one of the biggest things that people wrote in about that is the source of anxiety in their life is money. And we say this all the time, but I just want to reiterate this. We don't want anything from you. We want everything for you. And we believe that it is God's desire. We're not a, a poverty gospel or a prosperity gospel church. We are a, we have a gracious father that loves his kids and loves to bless his people financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and financially. How many believes that and receives that and wants that in their life? That God wants to do that. So I'm going to read two verses. I'm going to pray again because when you're talking about money, you got to pray a lot. I, just, I love the nervousness of these, of these moments. <laughs> If you're tuning in online, just pray for me right now. Stretch your hand towards the screen and just pray. But two verses, we're going to have them on the screen if you don't have a Bible with you. But John 10.10, Luke 16.10. John 10.10 says this. It says the thief, in this verse we find out why the enemy came and why Jesus came. It says the thief, the enemy, Satan, Lucifer, the devil, the thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So whatever temptation is knocking on your door right now that you just think, man, this is going to bring me joy, this is going to make my life better, just so you know, the end result of that sparkler, the bomb at the end, is he wants to bring less to your life. He wants to bring destruction to your life and not more. But Jesus says, here's why I've come. I've come that you would finally become really behaved and really religious. Maybe you're new to church, and that's, that's what's turned you off from churches because you, you think that's what church is about. But can I just blow up any preconceived notion? Here's what Jesus says I'm about. I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. Maybe you are brand new here and you're wondering, what is it that I sense in here that's different? Hopefully what you realize by the end of the day that you sense is life. Because where the spirit is, there's life. And Jesus came that you may have life, and I love what it ends with, and life to the full. Jesus is all about putting more. Putting more peace, more joy, more victory, more strength. And in every area of our life, God wants to bless us with more. But what this whole series has been about, stimulus, is that for us to step into more in every area has to do with how we manage what God already puts in our hands. And Luke 16.10 tells us this. It says, whoever is faithful with little will be trusted with more. We're, we're calling this series stimulus because what we realize is this. Most of us, we're, we're waiting for a stimulus and God is just looking for faithfulness. And that when we're faithful with the little that God gives us, he always multiplies it into more. So I'm going to pray. And would you just do me a favor? Uh, I, I really believe this. I know this, is, um, this can sound really cliche to say. I believe today can change it all for somebody. I really do. Because I know that the bondage and the stress and the anxiety that financial bondage can bring. I believe today can change it all. So as I pray, would you pray? Would you pray for me? Would you pray for you? God, open my heart, open my eyes, and open my mind. And so, Father, we love you so much. Thank you for these moments that we have. Thank you, God, for the, the time that we share. And I just believe today is somebody's day. 
And so, Lord, I, I know that, God, in every area of our life, your call over us is freedom. And I just pray you would speak and breathe freedom in Jesus' name. And amen. Amen. Can we all just do this together? Why don't you tell the person beside you, say, you look so good on Valentine's Day. Just tell them. If you're online, just tell them, say, you look so good on Valentine's Day. I hope you turn to your spouse when you, when you do that. <laughs> tell the other person beside you, say, it's going to be okay. Anybody ever um, gotten yourself into a hole or a situation so deep you thought you'd never get out of it? Anybody? Anybody help the, the, the skinny jeans preacher today? Anybody ever put your foot in your mouth and you just thought, I'm never going to get past this? Since you love all my self-deprecating stories, I figured I'd tell you one of the worst. Anybody ready? <laughs> I don't like how that got the most emotion all day long. What in the world? Jesus died for our sins. You want to hear bad things about pastors? Oh, yeah, let's go. All right, too much coffee. So there's this lady named Chris McDonald uh, from the church that, that I was a part of in Greenville, South Carolina, Great lady, super strict. Like, super, like, um, lo- you ever just met somebody that was born for rules? <laughs> she was born for rules. She, uh, her son was a few years younger than me, and he, I remember he would get in trouble if he said dang or crap. Maybe I'll get in trouble right now for saying crap. I don't know. If I offended any religious people, I'm so sorry. But, I, I mean, just really strict, like, just to the T. And I remember... Um, one summer, I was, it was probably my first year in college, me and my buddy were at the beach, and we, we'd been at the beach for a week, and then it was awesome, we were going to have two weeks at the beach, because at the end of our first, like, just vacation week, the whole youth group showed up for, like, a beach retreat kind of thing. Some of you that grew up in youth groups like that, you remember what this is like. And I don't remember why, but that summer, for no in particular reason, uh, my buddy Colt and I and all of our friends, we shaved our heads. I don't know why, we just, we all shaved our heads, and and you know how it is. Like sometimes the younger people, the, the, the younger crowd will want to emulate the older kids. And so, I mean, we were really cool. I'm not going to lie about that. But all the younger kids decided we want to shave our heads. And my buddy Cold, he's a, uh, his whole family is barber, so he had clippers with him. And Josh, uh, and I love Josh. Josh's like, oh, I want to shave. I don't know why I'm giving him that accent. I'm so sorry, Josh, if you, wa- if you were watching this. But uh, I'm just giving him, you know, that little voice. He goes, I want to get my head shaved. And and so he said, come on. And I don't know why I did this. You can call me a bully, but I grabbed the clippers from Colt's head, and I just shaved a racing stripe down the middle of his head. And I said, that's to make sure that you don't wuss out. <laughs> don't judge me, bunch of Pharisees. Jesus has done a work in me since then. And Well, somehow his mom, Chris McDonald, finds out about this, and... I'll never forget the moment. He, he hadn't had his head fully shaved. She storms in the room and says, what is going on? And I immediately just, you know, raised her behind my back. I'm like, I don't know. I just, it's, people are having their head shaved around here. I don't know what's going on. And, and uh, she's like, well, who's, who's, who's doing this? And I said, I don't know, but you, you better believe me. I will find out by the end of the day who is responsible for all of this. And Somehow, within the hour, she, she found out it was me and was more furious than I knew. And long story short, my youth pastor, who I just come to find out had to cover for me a lot, just to be honest. Like, you could just imagine Russ as, as a teenager. Um, he, he told her, he, he calmed her down and said, look, Russ doesn't mean anything bad by it. He doesn't mean anything wrong. And just, just relax. So she had calmed herself down, came to talk to me. And I didn't realize she had calmed herself down, and she goes, Russ, I just want you to know that while I don't appreciate you shaving the middle of Josh's head, which, by the way, is punishment, just FYI, she made him keep it like that for a month. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I didn't even feel bad. Um, but she, she said, Russ, I, I, um, I just want you to know, even though I was upset about this, I, um, I, I'm going to take him to the barber when he gets back, and we're not going to shave it all the way down. But, you know, we're going to, and I don't know why this came out of my mouth. Again, I didn't know she was that angry, but the first, just out of my mouth. You, you, ever, you ever watched words come out of your mouth? You're like, oh, I just, you know. Um, I said, well, that's stupid. <laughs> I don't know why. I said, and she goes, what did you say? And I said, well, if you, if you, sh- if you don't shave it all the way down, it's still going to look uneven, and it's going to, it's this. And I, you, you could accuse me of exaggerating, but I saw flames leap out of her eyes at me. And she goes, I'm going to trust my barber and not you. And she stormed out. It, it gets worse. So 
<laughs> so, so the next day, um, everybody's getting ready to leave the beach. This is the, the end of it. Colt and I are getting ready to go back in his Jeep to Greenville. Everybody else is on the bus. I get on the bus just, you know, to be goofy and get on the bus mic and tell everybody bye. Context, I played, you may not know this because I know everybody doesn't think I'm the most athletic person in the world, but there was a day. And I played baseball half my life. And um, again, this, I know this isn't super attractive to imagine, but there is a habit, if you're familiar with baseball, in the summer outside of spitting. Somebody help me out, right? Like you got, whether it's, you know, uh, seeds or whatever it is, like of spitting. And so I was still a few, just a few years removed from not playing baseball anymore. So I had this bad habit outside. Um, and I'd been at the beach for two weeks. So I'd been outside a lot of, of spitting. I don't know why. I've, I've gotten over it. Stop looking at me like that. I've gotten over it. I've gotten past it. I don't spit anymore. And before God, this was not on purpose. I don't know how fate aligned this to happen. But as I got on the bus, by just, I don't know, I, I go, and I spit. And you met, I watched in slow motion. It travel and land on her face. <laughs> there is a way. It happens. God knows. <laughs> yep. Why are you telling me this story? I just thought you should know. Also, because it took me a full year to climb out of that hole. I mean, it, it took some groveling, some apologies. It took God doing a supernatural work in her heart and me not spitting on her for a while or shaving her son's head. And as funny as that may be, let's just be honest when we talk about, Janice, are you laughing? Okay. <laughs> okay. Get it together. We, but. Maybe when it comes to finances, you feel like that, like all of this sounds really good and really spiritual, and I understand that a lot of this is in the Bible, and I understand that, look, there, there's, there's a lot that needs to happen in my life, but you don't understand the hole that I'm in. Like there may be broke college kids in here today or high school kids that are like, okay, all this sounds wonderful, but I make minimum wage and look, I, I just, I, you know, I work at Domino's or Donato's or whatever it is uh, several days a week. And I barely have the money, honestly, to buy the bubble gum before I uh, buy Popeye's chicken sandwich that night before I play the next level of Halo. So honestly, this doesn't have a lot to do with me. Or maybe you're in the opposite and you're 70, 80, 90 years old and you're like, man, I wish that I had taken control of my finances a long time ago, but honestly, it's too late for me. Or maybe you're a single mom or you're a single dad and you're like, look, I, you, all of this sounds wonderful, but I'm just trying to make ends meet. But if that's you, I just want to declare by faith today, if it's okay, that I just believe this. This isn't preacher talk. This isn't hyperbole or exaggeration. Today is D-Day in somebody's life. Today is line in the sand day. Today is the day where someone, you and I, by faith, can say, I, I, I'm actually not going to let my money manage me anymore. I'm going to manage my money. And I'm not going to let money happen to me. I'm going to happen to my money. This is the day I take back my life by taking back control of my finances. This is the day maybe I can even get to the place where I train money to work for me instead of me work for my money. That by faith today could be the day for somebody online that I step out of the dark prison of financial anxiety and mismanagement and debt and disorder and into the sunlight of blessing and financial margin, freedom and prosperity and reward and generosity to leave a stunning wake of generosity in my path and make a dent in hell for the gospel. That that can be somebody's day. And we laid a foundation. I just want to encourage you, if you weren't here the last two weeks, go back and watch. We laid a foundation week one that God is the owner and I'm the manager. Can we just say that? God's the owner, I'm the manager. Let's say that one more time. God's the owner, I'm the manager. We found out that 
That gospel realigns my mindset to realize that I don't own everything. God owns everything. That I'm not the star in my own Netflix series that God's trying to get in. But this is his story. He's the one that gave me breath. He's the one that put the ability for my hands to work. He's the one that actually created me and gave me a reason to live. And beyond that came for me. That he's the owner and I just get to graciously steward everything for his glory. And to be honest, that is a paradigm shift that takes a while to click in the heart of someone when they start following Jesus, isn't it? There's this old um, comic book strip I shared with Welcome to the X last week of the guy that gets baptized and he's holding out of the water his wallet. <laughs> and the principle is a lot of times the last thing to really get baptized and surrendered in your life when you meet God is your money. Because Jesus says where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Martin Luther, who started the Protestant Reformation, just nerd trivia for those of you that like this kind of stuff. We're in a Protestant church. We're no longer part of the Roman Catholic Church. He said there's three conversions in the heart and the life of a Christian. The conversion of the mind, the heart, and the purse. The bank account, as we would say. So God's the owner. We're the manager. And then we found out in week number two that order matters. Everybody say order matters. I'll never forget, one of the things I miss most is um, with COVID is seeing movies. I've seen a few movies, but I'll never forget the time when my, my brother-in-law, in, who lives in Colorado, Midwest humor guy, he's so funny. I hate popcorn, by the way. Anybody, hate, anybody like popcorn? I know, I'm weird. I hate popcorn, I hate pretzels, I hate gum. Isn't that weird? And don't tell me that butter makes popcorn better. Butter would make a rock taste better. That doesn't mean the actual substance is good. I don't understand that argument. But, but my brother-in-law, I'll never forget, he, he would do lidless, a uh, big lidless Coke and a big lidless thing of popcorn. And he would just pour popcorn, you know, in his mouth. And he would drink and pour popcorn in his mouth. And I'll never forget the moment that the mechanics got switched up. <laughs> Sorry. <I> was, <laughs> uh, can't get through it. It's, it's been a while, and I still wake up sometimes at night laughing about it. But I'll just never, he was so engrossed in the movie, he just poured soda all over his, all over his head. And I just... <laughs> Can you just imagine it in your mind? I got to move on or I won't recover. But. but you and I, sometimes we get so engrossed in the movie of our lives that if we don't pay attention to order, life can get sticky, can it? Because order matters. The way you get dressed in the morning matters. Order matters. And the first thing we found out about order is we put God first. Everybody say put God first. When, when, and to be honest, this is where... Any amount of, oh, are we talking about the tithe and do I really have to give my 10%? This is, to be honest, is where the gospel blows all that up. Because when the cross gets in my story, I realize God didn't give his 10%. He gave his 100%. Anybody thankful for that? And so when I meet Jesus and his grace collides with my life, my only natural response is, God, my whole life, not just my wallet, my heart, my mind, my time, everything I have is yours. And if the starting wheel, uh, starting point, training wheels of giving is just to return the tithe that already belongs to you, then God, the first thing that happens when I get my paycheck is not look at me, but thank you, God. And that sets me up for blessing. But once we get those two things those two foundations of God's the owner, I'm the manager, and order matters. We got to move on to the practical. Anybody excited about the practical? <laughs> Aren't you excited about money? But at some point, we got to drill down. And so I, I want to get really practical today. I want to encourage you to, to take notes. And I want to say up front, I am no expert. I know you know that already, but I just want to reiterate, I'm no expert. But just humbly today, can we just say, God, what does your word say? And can we lean on the people like Dave Ramsey that are experts? And can we let God encourage us? Can we do that? One more time. I heard a That was weird. <laughs> Got to have fun in church, right? I want to look at two triangles that we tend to live the financial order of our lives out of. Uh, first triangle is, let's just to be honest, this is the triangle of the way most of the world handles money. And the first line you see is live. In other words, let's just be honest, the way most of the world 
I'm not saying this about X church, but, but most people in our modern culture live is the first thing I think about when it comes to my money is me. I'm going to do me. I'm going to spend what I want to spend. I'm going to do what I want to do. Not only am I going to obviously pay my bills and do my obligations, but I'm going to make sure that I get the Netflix account and the Hulu account, and I've got to get the new iPhone model, and I've got to indulge, indulge, indulge. I'm going to get what I want to get. I mean, I'm not going to probably go crazy to where my life's just going to fall apart. I'm not going to max out probably every credit card. You may be in the room, and that may be your story. But I, first and foremost, am going to do what I want to do. I'm going to live. But then, if I have any left over, I love the idea to save. And I mean, who doesn't love the idea theoretically to save? Like, we all know we need to save, right? I hope. Everybody? I mean, we all know that there may come a day where you can't work and you need retirement, or there may, uh, there's things that are going to come up in your life. There's, there's Christmases, there's, there's the near future, but then there's the far future. Maybe you got kids, graduations, and weddings, and colleges you're thinking about. Everybody knows there needs to be savings. So once I get done living and doing everything I want to do, if there's enough left over, what I would love to do, just at least, at least the theory of it, is save. And then if there's anything left over after that, God knows I'm a good person and would love to be generous. I'd love to give. Does this sound familiar? The quietness tells me that it sounds familiar. And this is normal. This is normal mindset for how I'm going to do money, isn't it? But then something happens when your life intersects with Jesus. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. One translation, I love how it says it, seek first the kingdom of God and he will order everything else. Can I, can I tell you one of the first clues that you've really met Jesus is that he'll mess up your whole world, like in a good way. Anybody know that? Like, can I just encourage you and, and just gently warn you that if you say you've met Jesus, but your whole world's not been reorganized, Anybody? Like when you meet Jesus, he'll reorganize your relationships. He'll reorganize your heart, the issues of your heart. He'll reorganize your time. He'll reorganize your affections. And eventually at some point, if you keep walking with Jesus long enough and there's a desire in you to do things God's way, he'll reorganize and flip the whole script on his head. And we'll get to this model. Where the gospel will flip all of this on its head and reorganize your whole life. To where at some point I get to the place where I say, when I get my paycheck, Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and test me in this and see if I will not open up the windows of heaven and pour out more blessing than you have room to contain. That's not just financial blessing. I know some people get tripped up on that word blessing, but God wants to bless every area of your life, and this is the only place where God says to test me. So at some point, when, G- and I, when Jesus gets in your story, this flips And when it flips, the first thought, when when, when I get paid, is not me, but God, my life and everything I have belongs to you, and I give. And then the second thing I do, notice I haven't even gotten to live yet, is I save. In fact, since we're going to go into some practical things today, can I just give you a really simple principle that if you tune out everything else I say, especially if you're a high schooler or college-age student in the room, write this down. Write this down. Get your pen out. Get your pen out right now. Get your phone notes app out and write down 10, 10, 80. If you don't do anything for the rest of your life, I promise you, if you apply this principle that the first 10% goes to God, that's the tithe, the second 10% goes to me, that's saving, and then I live off all of the rest. In this, okay, but by your silence, this is crazy talk. (laughs) Some of you are looking at me like, I just told you that there is a rhinoceros back there that is getting ready to get wings and fly to Jupiter and then hatch eggs and send all of its alien babies back here. I don't know where that analogy came from, but that is the way some of you are looking at me. But Deuteronomy 28 God brings his people out of slavery into freedom, and he tells them, my desire for you is that you be the head and not the tail. 
that I want you to be overcomers, that I want you to live in more, that I don't want you to live in bondage and slavery. I want you to live in absolute freedom. And can I just tell you humbly from Scripture, from what I've experienced in my life and from what I've experienced of observing hundreds and thousands of families over the course of my life, that which triangle you decide to live in will be the difference between you, whether you are the tail or the head. I know this is an exciting preaching, and I know this is maybe insultingly simple, and this is not spiritual enough for some people, but I promise you, if you commit to this process, if you go home before God with your spouse, if you're married, and you say, today we're flipping the triangle, and before we begin to live, that we might have to cut Netflix for a season. Oh my, did he just say that? That's like a cuss word. Yes, there might be a season where you don't get the new iPhone, or you don't shop at Whole Foods. I say that in conviction, because can I just, just... True confessions. Anybody like me a spender? You bunch of liars. Anybody? I'll I'll admit, I am a spender. (laughs) It, It is a good thing on the executive team that everybody else is super frugal. Because I I I just be honest, I love to eat. Any foodies? I love to eat. I love to travel. I love to buy things. I, I used to say, man, I have, I have trouble, Pastor Zach, with buying too many books. Then I used to say I have trouble with buying too much expensive food. Then I used to say I have trouble with travel. Then I used to say I have trouble. And then I realized, no, I got a spending problem. Right? But at some point, if I'm going to set my future up for a future of success and freedom and generosity, this triangle, I got to flip the script. And before I do any of that, needs to go to God, and and I'll just, this is a a message for another day, but to be, but Randy Alcorn, that book, I encourage you, that we're selling the shop to buy, he talks about how the tithe really is just the training wheels of giving. Really, the longer that you live and walk with Jesus, that should go up every year as your gratitude goes up. There should be moments where you want to give above and beyond the tithe. I don't care what church you're part of. I don't care if it's this church, another church, wherever. There becomes a generosity that explodes in your heart, and by the way, the more you live off of this, the more blessing God actually puts in your hands because he doesn't want to just send blessing to you. He wants to send blessing through you. And when you do this model, you will be amazed at the supernatural blessing that will flow out of the bottom of this triangle. And so if you don't remember anything else, head, tail. Head, tail. And here's the question we have to answer today. What triangle are you living out of? What triangle are you living out of? But to get into that middle triangle save, there is some things we're going to have to look at because there's something that's probably snuck into your story and my story, and it probably has a lot to do with lack of margin, and it has a whole lot probably to do with a four-letter word called debt, doesn't it? <laughs> Aren't you so excited you came to Valentine's Day, February 14th weekend at the next church? <laughs> but can we look at it just for a moment before we pray and you go eat your Valentine's Day dinner? I'll just take the overwhelming silences. Absolutely. You're going to need, you and I are going to need three things if we're going to change our story when it comes to finances. Number one, we're going to need a new, we're going to need a fresh vision. Proverbs says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And let's just be honest, in this kind of year, you and I have probably lost some vision. But maybe before you even take a really tough step to get all this together. Maybe you by yourself, or if you're in a family, you and your spouse need to sit down and say, let's dream, and let's, together with God and his presence, cast vision for the future. That we're gonna have a vision that enough's enough. That I'm not gonna live my life tied up in anxiety and bondage looking over my shoulder. But I'm going to commit to a process, and it may not be easy. What The change that's going to happen today is not that all of your finance, it's not, oh, don't you wish you could just wave a magic wand? None of you, I do. But what can happen today is not a magic wand, but a committing to a process that maybe it's four years from now, maybe it's three years from now, maybe it's two years from now. But there's a day coming that if you'll walk out God's ways and his timing, there's going to come a moment where you're going to be standing in the sweet, tall grass of financial freedom, 
and you're going to be freed up not to worry about this payment, that payment, this creditor, that creditor, how much do I owe here? But no, you're going to be freed up to leave a legacy for your family and the generations behind you and to make a gospel impact to be able to say, you know, I heard a rumor that we might send students to Passion Camp this year. How fun would it be when we have a Passion Camp booth sign up for you to go back out there and say, oh, five students need sponsored. Where do I sign? Bang, boom. There you go. How much fun does that sound? Oh, there's still clean water that needs to happen in Africa. Oh, there's still several billion people on the planet that have never heard the good news of Jesus. Where can I lean the shoulder in to make an eternal investment in the things that matter most? Because that's where life gets fun. So what's the vision? What's the fresh vision you're going to lay out? Number two, you and I are going to need a new philosophy. Paul said this when he he wrote to the church in Rome. He said, renew your minds daily by the word of God. Renew your minds daily by the word of God. And can we just be honest? Can we go back to the triangles for a moment if we have them? The, The mindset of this world, the philosophy of this world does not coincide with that. The the thousands of commercials we're bombarded by every day, the spirit of this culture, not to mention the new modern, by the way, phenomenon of widespread, unsecure debt, not to mention social media day that we live in, not to mention all of the messages you and I are given every single day by ads, commercials, and social media that if you just get this or you just get that, then you'll be happy, feeding into our discontentment and then keeping us, uh, keeping up with the Joneses, doing what you've probably heard the phrase where we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like. (laughs) And all we find is bondage, and next week I'm tired of that thing that I bought with the money I didn't have that I didn't need to impress the people that I didn't like. And it's going to take the Holy Spirit to blow up in our hearts and minds a billion-dollar industry that is new for most of human history. This, I mean, Ford Motor Company, they make more money off credit now than they do vehicles. But back when the owner started Ford Company, he didn't believe in debt. He wouldn't even allow it. There may be people in here old enough, and I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because you were around when the dinosaurs walked the planet. But how many people, you, again, don't raise your hand, but you remember there was a day, an age, where for you to buy something, you saved up money. And then when you had the money, you bought it. (laughs) Are you encouraged yet? And so let's just, I mean, if we were to scan out, I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time here because I don't want to depress you, but if we were to look at the macrocosm of um, national debt, did you know we're at $21 trillion of a national debt? And I know you, <laughs> I know no one lost sleep over that, but just so you know, that's $177,000 per taxpayer that equates to you and I that we're on the hook for. So happy Valentine's Day. Enjoy your expensive lunch afterwards. You drill that down to where we're at. I mean, hello, student loans. This is back 2017. The average student that graduated college and went into the working class um, owed $39,400 that they carried in personal student uh, student debt. That's $1.3 trillion that America owes for college. The, The average American has a car payment of Uh, four or five years that statistically they'll be upside down in, they'll lose money in. And we can talk about mortgage. And, and, you know, one of the things that we talk about as a church, we don't, I believe one of the things that's great about some of the material that we recommend is we don't categorically condemn all debt. We are, by the way, just FYI, we're in a building that we didn't pay cash for. And if anybody wants to write the check for that at the end of the day, we'll graciously receive that. So we're, so, but we're talking about non-mortgage, unsecured debt, and let's just, we don't have time to unpack it all. I want to encourage you to sign up for a Financial Peace University class, but can we just all agree it is killing us and it is robbing from our future. And in case anybody wants me to shut up about debt and just wants to hear what God says about debt, anybody interested in that? Proverbs 22.7 says this, the borrower is slave to the lender. 
So if you're ever curious, how does God feel about debt, just write that one word big over your notes section, slavery. Isn't that what it feels like? I mean, honestly, it's slavery. You and I need to be attacking debt because debt is attacking us. And I love later on in Proverbs, it says this. It says, to free yourself from debt like the gazelle from the hunter. Free yourself from debt. If you've ever watched National Geographic and you watch the gazelle being chased by the lions, the cheetahs, it's, it's always funny when they catch up to them. And, sorry. Um, <laughs> that was wrong. I'm sorry. I take that back. But God says that needs to be your passion when it comes to freedom in every area of your life and specifically this issue of death. So I want, because this is such a tough topic, can we just offload any condemnation? Look, I don't, I don't know how debt came into your world. Debt came into my world accidentally. I walked into American Eagle as a young man about to go on into a date. And I, needed, I saw a polo I liked, and I was like, I'll take that polo. And they said, oh, are you part of our American Eagle Rewards Club? You know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, I don't know what that is. But they'll, well, it'll save you money. I said, well, sign me up. And so they said, okay, sign up right here. We need your social security number. thought that was weird, but I was like, okay. I was like, give me my social security number. They said, sign here, sign here. Oh, and I was like, wait, I don't have to pay today? They're like, no, you're part of our American Eagle Rewards Club. Just take your polo and have fun. So I took my polo, and I left, and I never paid another dime. And then a year later, I start getting calls. Uh, Sir, you bought a polo from American Eagle, and you never paid. (laughs) So I don't know what it looks like for you. And we're laughing about it. But again, I know there's some people in this room that are like, this is all fun and games. But here's the deal. Like, I got a credit card just to survive right now. And I want you to know God's approach to everyone in this room is compassion and that there's hope, and that I don't care how deep the hole is. You heard the Kelly story last week, $103,000 worth of debt, and God helped them step into a path of freedom. And that's possible for you, and it's possible for me. I'm going to hurry, or I'll go all day. The, the third thing we need is this. We need a solid plan. We need a solid plan. And uh, first step, I'm, I'm going I'm to go quick, take notes. Um, Jesus said this, who of you would start a project without first counting the cost. We need a plan. First step of a plan is you got to look under the hood. You got you got to look under the hood. I, I, anybody have that closet in your house that you don't want to go in because it scares you because you stuffed everything there and you just want to look at it? It's like that with finances. But at some point, you, you can't point to a new destination if you don't know where you're at on the map. And so today, can I just be honest, the most spiritual thing some of us are going to do is not go home and pray more, but go home and look under the hood and get all the debts and get all the money onto the table and actually uh, take a look at at what's going on. Number two is this. Uh, I I know, again, this is so exciting. This is the part where in um, Pentecostal churches, people stand up and start doing laps, but we got to make a budget. (laughs) Just Just trying to ease the tension. You and I have to make a budget. You've heard it before, but if we fail to plan, we'll plan to fail. I love John Maxwell's definition of a budget. He said this. He said, a budget is me telling my money where to go instead of wondering where my money went. Anybody ever been on the end of that train? Where did my money go? Someone surely must have got into my bank account and stole. If you've ever gotten to the end of the month, and I'm with you, we're hacking through the same jungle. Again, this is not me as any kind of expert. But if you've ever, if we've ever gotten to the end of the month and wonder where did my money go, one of three things happened. Number one, somebody really did steal from you, and you need to call the FBI or the police. Number two, you didn't make a budget. Or number three, you didn't stick to the budget. Those are the only three things that happen when you get to the end of the month because you didn't give each dollar a name. But you and I have got to make a budget, and we've got to stick to a budget. I was so convicted by Brendan and Julie saying last week they still get together every month and make a budget. To be honest, I have a budget. I don't make it every month. I make it a plan to, but I don't, I don't succeed in that every month. Just true confessions. But you and I need to make a budget. And then number three, we need a strategy. I'm going to give you a four-part strategy for you to write down. Again, I'm leaning not on my great intellect as if I had one. This is 
this is a lot of principles that you'll see, whether you read Larry Puckett, Dave Ramsey, Randy Alcorn, Chris Hogan, any of these financial gurus, they all pretty much will tell you the same thing. Number one, build an emergency buffer. Dave Ramsey says it this way, save $1,000 fast. So we're talking liquid money. We're not talking investments. And we're not talking about um, uh, taking anything out of retirement. We're talking about you find a bank account, a savings account. You put $1,000 in fast, and you put it in there, and you start selling so much stuff, as Dave Ramsey says, that your kids worry they're next. Why? Because it does not do any good to try to start getting out of debt if you don't first have margin. Because what's going to happen is, anybody ever notice um, that life, and let's just use the word, crap happens? Like anybody had crap happen over the last month? If there's not margin, you know, the, you know st- statistics show that in America, 75% of people, two-thirds of Americans live with no buffer between them and life. They would be absolutely, totally unprepared for a $500 vehicle repair or a $1,000 medical emergency. No wonder we are stressed, people. And so the first step is to build an emergency buffer and not to use that on anything but emergencies. So let's define emergencies. Emergencies are not Christmas. Christmas shows up December 25th every single year. It's not um, loved one's birthdays, and it's not the new sale on Amazon. We, we build an emergency buffer, and we build a fast $1,000 medical, or $1,000, and we put away, we don't touch it, and then we build a debt snowball towards freedom. Here's what Dave Ramsey calls a debt snowball. You list your debts from smallest to largest. Don't worry about interest rates. Kiss method. Anybody remember it? Keep it simple, stupid. Hurts my feelings every time, as Dwight Schrute says. Smallest to largest, build a debt snowball, and here's what you're going to see happen. You're going to hit that smallest one, and, the, and, and anybody ever knows the power of small victories when life gives you an attaboy? You're going to put that sucker on your refrigerator, and you're going to have that $1,000 buffer. Then you're going to hit that first one, and you're going to go, oh, my gosh, this works. And then you're going to have a little party in your kitchen, and you're not going to do what I do and go to True Foods in Easton. You're going to get out a bowl of cereal, and you're going to eat the heck out of that bowl of cereal and have a celebration in your kitchen. And so you're going to have a death snowball, and you're going to go from smallest to largest, and the power of momentum of that snowball is going to build and build, and the little bit of money, you're going to just keep making minimum payments, because if you don't, you're going to get hacked with, uh, with you know, penalty fees or whatever it is, and then your credit's going to go, so you don't want to do that. You're going to hit minimum payments, but you're going to start throwing everything at that. Now, what happens if life happens and you have to dip out of the emergency buffer. Well, then you're going to go back. You're going to build the emergency buffer. Then you're going to go back to the debt snowball. And what you're going to find out is the power of momentum and incremental power is going to exponentially get you on a path to freedom. And so you're going to do that. You're going to get completely out of debt. And then you're going to build um, the complete margin. Most experts say to have three to six months of expenses paid for in the bank. Is this too practical for anyone or is this helping anyone in the room? One person, I love it. And pastor's actually just a good friend. <laughs> you're going to build a complete margin, and then fourth, after you do that, you're going to build towards the future as you build towards the kingdom. And Janice, you can come out and play, so I eventually shut up. But I just want to tell everyone in the room, no matter where you're at in your financial journey, that there is hope for you. And that God can help you and I step into freedom in every area of our life. I've I've, I've told this story before, but um, since it's Valentine's Day, I'll tell it again. This is the only Sunday story I've ever told twice. But I've gotten enough evil laughs from you that I'll tell it again. But I, um, (laughs) back when I was in Lexington, I, I was dating this girl. And for Valentine's Day, I decided to get her a necklace. And she had told me one time that she, because of her past, like she, she had this, she wanted to get a tattoo debt-free because God had paid her debt. God had paid the debt for her life. And so I decided, I was like, man, I'm going to get Boyfriend Points of the Year Award Valentine's Day. I contacted somebody in Charlotte. I had this necklace made. It had her initials. It had a pearl. And then it had this pendant that said debt-free. And I was like, man, this is going to be epic. And she's just going to be like, oh, my gosh, you're the sweetest guy in the world. You, you're so amazing. I'm like, I know. It is what it is. And it's just how God made me. And it is, you know, it's your luck in life. You must have prayed really, really hard and your parents. And 
It did not go that way, Scott. No, she, she got it. She looked at it. She made no emotion. I was just like waiting for the tears. I was like, you know, and she's like, thank you. And I was like, oh, okay. Um, and never wore it. Never wore the necklace. A few months later, we broke up. And you're like, oh, now you know why, right? But I was talking to uh, my best friend, Cole. This is in Lexington. And uh, sidebar, funny story. He ended up meeting, dating, and marrying her sister. So the wedding was not awkward at all. But I remember the day me and her broke up, Cole told me, he goes, bro, I got to tell you something, but you can never repeat this. So if y'all are watching, sorry. This is, this is a long time ago. But he said, you know that, that necklace she never wore? I was like, yeah. He said, well, you know how sometimes, like, you don't have the greatest hearing? I was like, I guess. He said, well, she never wanted anything that said debt-free. She still wanted something that said set-free. And she actually has a ton of financial debt, and she thought maybe you were trying to, like, drop a hint and put a goal in front of her. And so she was confused slash offended that you got her a necklace that said debt-free. Now I know why he's single. But let's be honest, no one in this room wants to wear the albatross of debt and slavery around their life, their whole life. And you may not think this is a spiritual call, but there is an invitation today from the heart of the Father for you and I to step into freedom. I didn't want to show this today, you know, to be honest, I tell stories like that because as a communicator, I know that you can impress people with your strengths, but you connect with people through your weaknesses. And lucky for you, I got a lot. <laughs> That's not modesty. I got a lot of weaknesses to connect with you about. I'm hacking through the same jungles you're hacking through. I'm human just like you're human. I'm just as imperfect, if not more so, than anyone in this room. And, um, but I do know sometimes your story can encourage someone. And I'm going to blame this on Pastor Tim because I did not want to share this. But when I told him this, you're like, no, you have to share this. But I wanted you to take a picture of this car. And if you're wondering, Pastor Russ, how did you find out my dream car and put it on the screen? Hate to break it to you. That's my car. I said that so aggressively. That's mine. And it was just irony and fate when Pastor Tim asked me to preach this message that finally, after my own imperfect journey, next month, I'll make my last payment on that and actually become debt-free. And I don't say that for anything on me other than to tell you if somebody as jacked up as me can step into freedom, anyone with a process can step into freedom. And can I just pastorally, since it's already been just a, I don't know, maybe a tense message for you. Can I step on some toes? You know, there's something when God gives you a pastor's heart that you just really love people. And I love everyone in this room. And you may be thinking, you don't even know me. But there's something in the spirit supernaturally God does that just bursts a love in you when you're speaking to people that you just care about them. And because I care about everybody in this room, I care way more about helping you than you liking me. And can I just tell you uh, um, a frustration, not at people, but for people, is when every year when we do survey cards and there's about 150 people say, debt keeps me up at night. But then in January and February, only about 15 people actually take a step to sign up for Financial Peace University to change their life. See, this is the moment, Scott, where you decide, did everybody just turn on the speaker? Do they hate him, or is there conviction, or is it a combination of both? Are there people thinking right now, I like that guy, but now I hate that guy, and he's kind of right, but I kind of hate him in this moment. And look, I, I know some people work at night. I know everybody's schedules are different. This, this is not a, a guilt moment, but this is a moment to say, man, if, you got, if, if over the past year, anxiety over finances has been keeping you up at night, why not take a step to get free? 
There's nothing selfishly in it for us. We have financial experts in this house that work in this field that literally just volunteer their time because they want to help people like you and people like me. And so I just want to throw this out there. I'm not trying to step on toes, but I just care so much about what God wants to do in your life. And I know what it's like. I know the tightening of the chest, and I know the, the pit in my stomach when I've lived in financial bondage. But I also am beginning to taste the excitement of what it's like to go through Financial Peace University and process and step out into the other side and not be looking in the rear view, but dreaming about the future. And so can I just say this? Man, today, take a step. C.S. Lewis says what saves a man is to take a step and then another. Man, take a step today. And as we're closing, I just got to say this. Here's what I love about the way the Holy Spirit works is there's people under the sound of my voice online and in the room that while I've been talking to you about money, God's been talking to you about your heart. And the gospel is a great debt removal story. And to be honest, maybe you've come in church for the first time. You're like, oh, that sounds great. I'll get to that eventually. But right now, what I can't get out of my mind is that thing I've done and the shame in my mind and the guilt in my heart. And I got great news. I got a better offer on the table today than a stimulus package. It is the grace of God that it doesn't matter how bad your past is, how darkly you've screwed up. The grace of Jesus is coming after you today. And the cross says that whatever debt you owe to God, it is paid in full. The last thing Jesus says is it is finished. In other words, the spirit of God, because of the blood of Jesus, can take the stack of your crimes and my crimes, and he can justify us, give us a brand new future, a brand new heart, and make us debt-free before God Almighty, giving us a clean slate to have a brand new life. I'm so glad he paid my debt. Jesus didn't pay some of it. He paid it all. He ripped the curtain from top to bottom so that people as jacked up like me can come into the presence of God with confidence and say, God, it's me and you, and I need you, and you're my father, and I have a brand new start and a brand new future. And so with every head bowed, every eye closed, if that's you, and today you know that God is knocking on the door of your heart wanting to remove the debt of your sin. Would you just raise your hand right where you are? Boldly, I see one. Anybody else? I see two. I see three. I see four. Right where you are, would you repeat after me? Can we as a church just, re- just say this together? Say, dear Jesus, I'm coming to you just as I am. And God, you know how messed up I am but I believe you paid the debt that no one could pay on the cross for me and that you got out of that grave that I may have life. So Jesus, forgive me, forgive my debts as I forgive others their debts. Make me a new person. Come into me, Holy Spirit, and make me clean from the inside out and I promise I will follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name and amen.